Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast from Shemaine's Model Health for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals. I am Shemaine Laney. I'm a biohacker and fitness and nutrition expert, and welcome to episode 115, 115 episodes. Can you believe it? I can barely believe that I've kept it up this long, but they say if you really love something that you will keep at it, and I really love the podcasts. I think they're a great way to um, spread information to people. And help people learn. So this week's podcast, kind of a follow-up from last week's podcast where we looked at eating frequency. This week we're looking at 10 rules to fat loss. So before we go on, I must emphasize that the information in these podcasts is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Um please discuss any information in this podcast with your healthcare professional before making any changes to your current lifestyle. So moving on. So fat loss eating is different from weight loss. Um, When we look at food, weight loss places a sole focus on calories. Um, Whereas fat loss focuses on calories too, but puts more focus on hormones. Um, Fat loss is about eating in a way that controls the natural compensatory nature of your metabolism. So metabolic reactions or sensations like hunger, energy and cravings um, are dramatically influenced by hormones. And we looked a bit at this last week about keeping your heck in check. And I've done a few posts in my biohacking group. So that's your hunger, energy and cravings. So balancing your hormones um, and these sensations too will will help stabilize um, how you feel and this naturally will result in less food intake um, without too much of a conscious effort on your part. So there's two criteria required um, that move us into fat loss um, more so than just weight loss and they are a calorie deficit and balanced hormones and what we're looking at in this podcast is just a general overview so i know there can be many other variables in regards to hormones that play um in regards to like thyroid adrenal fatigue estrogen dominance and stuff like that but we're going over a general overview in this podcast that will give most people a good starting point so on a fat loss diet you eat fat loss foods but these are not magical foods they don't have like magical fat burning properties but they do balance hunger energy and cravings at the same time as they increase fat loss Um, and these foods tend to be rich in protein fiber and water they're very nutritionally dense Um, They'll support the body on many different levels with nutrition, so they're very 
orthomolecularly, nutritionally dense. So they help the body on many levels. That was a bit of a tongue tie. Um, and they're naturally, I'll say that again, they're naturally calorically sparse. So they don't have many calories in it, um, which brings us back to one of the reasons why I encourage my clients not to count calories too much. I will touch on the topic where I feel I need to, but it's not something that we stress over because foods that balance hunger, energy and cravings and encourage fat loss, they naturally are nutritionally dense, but lower in calories. Okay, so moving on. Um, I try to keep these podcasts short and straight to the point. These, though, sometimes they require a little bit more talking so they can be a little bit longer and this one may just be it. So rule number one, as we just looked at, you want to keep your hunger, energy and cravings in check. The idea is to eat in a way that controls all these. So these are all both biochemical and behavioral. Um, and this means they're impacted by more than just food. However, food has a powerful influence over your hunger, energy and cravings. Um, it's the quality of the food rather than the quantity that determines control over your heck or hunger, energy and cravings. So a donut and a chicken breast have the same number of calories. So they have about 250 calories each. Which one is going to fill you up quicker, keep you satisfied for longer, reduce cravings and give you more stable energy? Uh, which I know there's some smart arses out there saying a donut, but let's go on. Which one is more likely to result in cravings for more sweet and fatty stuff in the hours after you consume it? You don't need to be a genius to know the answer to this. Um, so foods that have high water, fiber and protein are the best foods for keeping your hunger, energy and cravings in check. So the answer to that one would be the chicken breast. So high five to all you that got it right and you smart asses. Let's see you on Saturday morning. If you're my clients, you'll know what I mean. So rule number two, spent equal time or more time not eating as you do eating. And I don't want to get too much into fasting or anything in this podcast. I've done others. But your hormonal biochemistry works best in rhythms. Having time in eating and time off eating. Um, so it needs time to build and time to burn. Um, it needs time of increased energy and times of rest and uh, regeneration. When you eat, your hormones are optimized to build and store energy. And when you don't eat, those same hormones are optimized to burn energy and repair and rebuild you. So if you want to burn fat, you have to honor this kind of rhythm. Um, and the easiest way to do this is to break your day into two time frames. So hours of eating and hours of not eating or fasting. Um, and for many people starting off, it's easily accomplished with little or no impact on hunger, energy and cravings. If they've never done any sort of fasting, 
the easiest way would be 12 hours eating, 12 hours not eating. And then if you're ready to step up the game or you're not seeing much um, results, then you can extend those fasting windows. So rule number three, find your carbohydrate tipping point. And this can be a tough one for people because it's definitely a lot of trial and error. And this is something I teach in the HEDA guide. And that's why I made it lifetime as well. So people can keep kind of being that detective or investigating what works for them and what doesn't. So essentially a biohacker. Um, so your carbohydrate tipping point, we know that insulin is fat storing and fat um, locking hormone, which means that when it's around, excess calories will be stored as fat and fat burning will be turned off pretty much. So you won't be burning any fat if you've got insulin around. Um, but insulin is also a muscle building hormone and a hunger suppressing hormone for many, not for all, but for many. Um, if it's too low, you'll struggle to build a lean physique and you might be hungry all the time. Um, and if it's too high, you will struggle to burn fat and lose that fat. So there's that middle ground that you need to find. Um, the major triggers for insulin are carbs and sugary foods like bread, pasta, cookies, crackers, Doritos, um, potatoes, pasta and rice. Yes, they're high insulin release foods, but I do think teach about how to increase in the resistant starch in them, which can change the insulin. So that can be complicated. But the others like bread, cookies, um, Doritos, chips and stuff like that should be kind of common sense for most people at this stage. The trick is to use starchy foods to your advantage by finding the amount your body needs to keep your energy up um, and keeping your muscle mass nice and balancing your hunger, energy, and cravings. So not so high that you slow down fat loss, but not so low that your heck is way out of check. And we call this carbohydrate tipping point. And you can find it by adjusting your timing in the amounts. And again, there's a lot of trial and error to find your carbohydrate tipping point. But once people find it, it will usually stick with them for the long term, um, regardless of other changes in their life. All right, rule number four. Eat fat, but don't eat unlimited amounts of fat. Um, and I've spoke about this before when I teach about macros um, and even doing a ketogenic diet. The idea that fat does not store fat is silly. And I've spoke about this. Um, and it's also silly to think that eating fat automate automatically makes you fat. So it's a complicated thing. Like starchy foods, we each have our unique tolerance to fatty foods and fat has several benefits um, on our hormones and it also has some negatives on our hormones. So we need fat for our sex hormones and to make sure that we have good cholesterol, of course, the right sort of fat. Um, and fat in some people, like I said, in some people, carbs can help stave off some people's hunger. Fat in some people can help control hunger, but not all. There's many studies showing that fat is not as satisfying as protein um, would be. Um, 
but anyway, I digress. So fat can help control hunger through the release of hormones like, you won't know the name of these or understand these. Well, some of you might. CCK, GIP and GLP. And then you've got your leptin and your ghrelin stephanie in there too. Fat also has a relatively low impact on insulin. It does have an impact, but it's relatively low, especially when consumed alone. But insulin is not the only fat storing hormone. Fat intake releases ASP. ASP is a fat storing hormone. Um, and of course, fat carries a hefty dose of calories as well. So we got to remember that calorie deficit for fat loss. Um, at the same time, and you might want to listen to this again, very low fat diets decrease testosterone and other um, important hormones and therefore can slow down fat loss and delay muscle gain and can mess with even your menstrual cycle. So the best approach is to eat your fat but don't overdo it and focus on those good types of fat. And like you don't want to go to town on fat. Remember the calories and the insulin impacts and ASP and all that. So um, I teach again more about this in the HEDA guide. So number five, eat the combination of fat and sugar sparingly. And I've taught a lot about this in my biohacking group and people are always disgusted when I touch on this. Um, and in some, some health professionals will refer to the combination of fat and sugar as sweet fat. And it's something I try to encourage my clients to avoid a lot of. Starch and sugar provide um, the major impact on insulin production. So fat alone has, as we saw, little influence on insulin, a low insulin impact. But fat and sugar, well, then you're asking for trouble because combined they create a fat storing atomic bomb of hormonal activity. First, this combination disrupts the ability of the metabolism to self-regulate its metabolic thermostat. So go back and listen to last week's podcast. Um, and the combination also is likely to generate the perfect recipe for fat gain. Calorie, um, so fat gain obviously being having calorie excess in the context, context of hormonal fat storing signals. So sweet fat causes the fat storing um, hormonal whirlwind release of insulin, GIP and ASP. Since GIP and ASP themselves stimulate more insulin release and they have some activity in the gut for more insulin release, you can see why this is basically a shit show. To say it nicely, fat and sugar is a shit show. With this rule, there's no you don't need to take it to the extreme. I do give guidelines, but the combination is not a good idea, especially with refined sugars or refined carbs um, and pairing them with high fat, like your cheese sandwich. This is not going to be a good idea. Um, so it's just something to watch out for. Um, oats and peanut butter, maybe not the best idea. Um, but that's one of the rules you want to look at. So rule number six, you don't have to be perfect. 
There's this crazy notion that you need to eat good 100% of the time and all organic and all wild foods to burn fat. Um, and that, in my opinion, is crazy. I'm a big advocate of the 80-20 rule. And I teach my clients because I like to think I'm a realist. I'm a mom of two and I run a very successful business and I have a lot on my plate. And I know there's some days where you just cannot be perfect um, and there has to be some exceptions there has to be a bit and give and take for it to be long term and I have cited and I have posted many studies on the benefits of refeed meals and refeed days so I make all of this fit into my 80 20 um, rule so don't let perfect or your notion of perfect get in the way of long-term sustainable success because that concept of being perfect all the time and always depriving yourself of a lot of stuff and always this that and the other it can step in and get in the way of you and your fat burning goals so number seven um learn a little bit about labels so packaged foods can be difficult to decipher and understanding what the nutrition label meal excuse me nutrition label means I I try to teach my clients a lot out of it but basically if you were to basically look at the label you're asking yourself will this throw my hunger energy and cravings out of check and make me store fat so a simple way to look at that or to answer that would be Looking at the label, if you subtract the fiber and protein from the total carbohydrates on the label, the total should be 10 or less. The lower the number, the better. Then when you, so that's the carbs. Then when you look at the fat, fat should be less than 15. If not, this food will not necessarily be effective at helping you manage your fat loss goals and i say necessarily because there's some other variables but this is a general guideline um and this this tactic or this art um is a quick trick that works really really well for a lot of people so you might want to write that down and remember that the next time you're out and about or in a store and you haven't got foods with you and you need to grab a quick bar and run so number eight and this is this is again where we talk about more trial and error give yourself time so number eight Give yourself time. Understand it took time to get where you are. It will take time to get out of where you are. You need to find your fat loss formula. You need to become intuitive and listen to your body and what it's telling you and adjust your approach or your protocols or your biohacking based on the signals and the biomarkers uh, that your body's given you. So hunger, energy, and cravings, they give you reliable source um, of feedback. So they're great biomarkers. Um, so correcting these first, you're gonna put yourself in a nice position. And then as you go on, you can grow from that. Um, do resist the temptation to look for 
self-help plans because there is no one way there's only your way and that's where I like biohacking because it allows us to find what works for you we work to create a program that works for you that you like the taste of that fits into your lifestyle that helps with all your other biomarkers so give yourself time don't rely on food lists per se when someone asks me for a meal plan, it drives me crazy. It just, it's one of my pet peeves. If someone says, I'm hoping to get a meal plan for you, I'm like, oh, they're not ready to learn then. If they're looking for a meal plan, they're not ready to decipher what works for their body. So don't focus on meal plans and food lists. Start being an investigator. Be a biohacker. Educate yourself and create what works for you. I can always help people go for the best foods that are going to support hormonal activities and help keep hunger, energy and cravings in check. But then I encourage them to put together their own meal plan that works for them, that they like. I mean, I love um, I love curry. What are they? They're curry lime kale chips. I love them. They fit in my meal plan. Awesome. They're in my diet. My diet is how I eat. Diet's just a word, by the way. Um, but a lot of my clients hate those. So why would I create a meal plan where I know these are very good nutritious food, but the person I give it to may hate them. So don't be asking for meal plans. Learn to create your own. Give your body time to tell you why it likes and what it doesn't like. Okay, moving on really quickly. Number nine know your trigger foods and know your buffer foods so one of the key understandings to a long-term successful weight loss lifestyle is knowing these your trigger foods and your buffer buffer foods both are important concepts to learn in deciphering the metabolic fat loss formula that's right for you so trigger foods are foods that trigger hunger cravings and energy fluctuations leading to some sort of compensatory eating or slowdown of fat loss. So if one of you is listening, I know your trigger food is Doritos and I tell you not to do it all the time because we know what happens when you eat Doritos. So that is your trigger food. So figure out what your trigger foods are. Uh, for me, I can't buy Purity's chocolate. If I buy it, that's it, they're gone. If I don't buy it, then I'll hold out until a refeed day, a refeed meal, and then buy them and we're all good there. But if I even buy them, that's it. It's over. So that's my trigger food. Now, buffer foods are foods that can be used periodically through the day or week to help stave off compensatory reactions. So buffer foods, unlike trigger foods, they have the ability to balance the metabolism and work for you rather than against you. So buffer foods are far more broad. Um, they, they're very nutritious um, and they can be something that is psychologically pleasing, but they have two sides. They're very nutritious. They're satisfying your craving at the time, but they're also benefiting you. So one of my buffer foods is, um, and I'm going to give a quick shout out to the company Little Tucker. It's a Calgary based uh, raw food 
food company and I'm not a big raw foodie, but I'm a bit of everything. Anyway, shout out to those guys because I love, or girls, because it was girls that started that company. Um, little Tucker, raw based whole foods, but their um, little bars are amazing. Very nutrient dense, very handy. Um, I recommend two specifically for my clients. Anyway, um, so one of their bars, the Snickerdoodle bar, is a buffer food for me. I know I have issues with chocolates. Um, I always have. You know me and my weight loss journey from when I was obese. I've always had issues with sugar, but I use their little Tucker um, bar as a buffer food for me. It's very, very, very nutritionally dense and I can fit it in with my carb timing. It fits in perfectly to what I said above my carbohydrate tipping point. Um, and it's psychologically pleasing to me. So for others, it might be two or four squares of dark chocolate, and I'll advise them to have that in the afternoon to avoid cravings in the evening. So find your buffer food. That's something um, that is going to, so like for the girl with the Doritos, her trigger food um, would be the Doritos. A buffer food for her might be the K-Pass and Nacho chips. They're organic. They've got a lot of nutrition in them, so they're going to curve her craving, but they're going to benefit her in other ways as well. Um, and rule 10. Rule 10. Um, what you do or don't do should impact what you eat or don't eat. Okay, that sounds complicated, but let's just elaborate a bit on that. So exercise will impact your hunger and it can impact cravings in some people. Certain forms of exercise make you more hungry while others have less of an impact. And then, of course, sleep and stress, too, will impact your hunger and cravings. Um, so stress... Exercise and stress and sleep, they don't contain calories and you can't eat them, but they do dramatically have an impact on your heck or your hunger, energy and cravings. And they have a big, big, big impact on whether you have fat loss or fat gain. So living the fat loss lifestyle for a time being until you get your goal means being acutely aware of how your actions are impacting your eating and your fat loss if you are a 20 something bodybuilder trying to gain muscle then a few donuts post workout so i'm going to elaborate that if you're a 25 year old male bodybuilder trying to gain muscle then a few donuts after an intense workout may be fine for you but if you are a 55-year-old postmenopausal female, that's not going to work for you. So you got to understand how your lifestyle interacts with your unique metabolic um, expression, your fat-burning capabilities, the psychology, and your personal preferences. So understanding specifically if you're exercising and you're sleeping amazing and you don't have much stress, chances are your fat loss is going to be amazing every single week. But if you're not exercising, you're not moving regularly throughout the day, your sleep is shit and you're always stressed out, well, that is going to have an impact on your fat loss and fat burning abilities. So I suppose we save the best to last because that is a real golden nugget there for you. Um, and I want you to 
take away these 10 rules. Jot them down somewhere, somewhere where you can remember them. Jot down that label and that little hack on how to decipher if the label is going to be any good for you. And I didn't touch on the ingredients, just the nutrition for fat burning. Um, but I hope you found this podcast really helpful because I strive to try give people as much information as I can to help to help them on their journey of fat loss, but more specifically health, because health first is where I'm at. Um, but please do share. Sharing is caring. Um, there may be someone in your family or in your friend circles that may need to just listen to this and take away the nuggets and get started on their own health journey. And in that sense, we can help change the world because we're in control. Don't let big pharma and the government control how healthy or how well we live our lives. We are in control of that. So um, enjoy the rest of the week. I know this was a little bit longer. I'm really, really sorry. And I'm going to let you go now. Have a great week and we'll chat next week. Bye.